Well, the way they pick TV shows is they make one show. That show's called a pilot. Then they show that one show to the people who pick shows. And on the strength of that one show, they decide if they want to make more shows. Some get chosen and become television programs. Some don't. Come nothing. Welcome to episode 23 of the Pilot Season Podcast. I'm Dan. And I'm Jen. And the Pilot Season Podcast is the show that watches just the first episode of a TV show, and we discuss it, talk about it, review it, have some fun with it. We take turns picking every week which show we're going to watch, and this was Jen's Jen's week to pick, and what did you pick? I picked The Handmaid's Tale. Like so many of our other selections, I chose this one because I kind of wanted to see what all the fuss was about. I saw that it recently won a bunch of awards. I honestly didn't know a whole lot about it. Like, I've seen, you know, some ads for it and, and stuff like that. And really, all I saw was you know, the main character in this very old looking, um, type of outfit. And that caused me to draw certain conclusions about what this show was. And Mm -hmm. I, I didn't look into it, never really talked to anyone about it. I don't know if any of my friends are watching this show. If they are, it hasn't come up in conversation. Although a lot of my friends don't have Hulu. I would say mostly because it did win so many awards, I thought, you know, maybe this is something we should we should watch for the show mm-hmm. because if it's this popular, if it's this good, so many people are watching it, you know, I want to know what the, the fuss is all about. So I still didn't research it heavily, but I got a slightly better idea of what the show was all about before watching it and... I had no idea that it it was based on a book. Right. Yeah, that was that was one of the few things that I I knew about it going in and like you said we should mention that it's a this is a a Hulu original but it's not technically original content it was based on a book called The Handmaid's Tale written by I don't know Margaret I think it's Margaret Atwood. Yeah, I think so. And for some reason just assume that it was published a little more recently, but it was originally published in 1985. Yeah, I was kind of surprised when I, you know, I saw that it was a book and I I kind of, again, like you, I just assumed that it was something more recent. Usually that's what happens. A book's written, it's very popular. A year or two later, somebody picks up the rights, they turn it into a movie or a show. I don't always know, you know, what's on like the bestseller list and whatever. Mm-hmm. If I'm reading, I'm mostly reading YA. I just assumed that this was something that was out in the last, say, maybe five years, and I just wasn't aware of it. After watching the episode, I Googled just something like the t- like the the title of the show, and of course, you get results for the book as well, mm-hmm. and. That kind of took me kind of down a rabbit hole about the book. And I actually read an article written by the author, read most of it, kind of skimmed part of it. But the fact that she was writing this book in 1984, and I guess then it was published in 85. Mm -hmm. And that just really like hit me. I mean, there's so much about the show. We didn't even start talking about it yet that just kind of surprised me and blew me away and it wasn't what I thought I was getting myself into. But then when you add in the fact that the concept for this show, this wasn't last year or five years ago. Mm -hmm. This was like 30 years ago. You know, not that you couldn't think of this concept 30 years ago, 50 years ago, 20 years from now. There are elements in the show and thus the book that you see we have seen in other books, other shows, other movies. There are 
definitely some pieces here that like I never have really seen before or um, ideas that I never really thought of or, or pieced together myself. I guess that's why I'm not an author. I leave that to the creative <laughs> people. But there, there's just so much, I think, to discuss with the show. But it really blew me away that this book was written more than 30 years ago. Not that you can't dig something up and go, whoa, this is, like, amazing. Let's turn this into a, a show. Mm-hmm. But what the heck took so long is what I'm sort of curious well, about. So I did a little bit of digging, too, and it turns out that the – TV show is not the first is not the first time that the book was translated into something. It, there was a film in 1990 that apparently no one's heard about, but due to the hmm. popularity of the show, now people are, are seeking out the movie, which I guess is long, has long been out of print. It might only be available on VHS. It might be being that you know they might be putting it back out on DVD because of the popularity of the show but apparently it's in such high demand that it's going for uh like $100 on Amazon or eBay and then it it was tur- and then they've there've been multiple stage productions of it if you just look on the book's wikipedia page it'll i mean there's there were too many to list there were just so many different um, things that had been done with this with this book, with this property. But even before 2017, when Hulu turned it into this their 10 episode series. So I guess you know you're telling me there's a movie out there that wasn't very. I'm assuming not very popular I, at the time. Right. It's becoming popular because of the show. Yeah, I mean, what who knows if it's show, any good? Like, what did the show do right that the movie did wrong? Like, if it was adapted and well done and, you know, why isn't it already on our radar, I guess, is what I'm well, sort of wondering. I mean, after 27 years, I feel like... I mean, if you just look at the show itself, I mean, it. And then we're gonna, I'm gonna backtrack a little into, you know, you were talking about all the, you know, it's won multiple awards. It's won a crazy amount of awards, both Emmys and Golden Globes, and some of them, you know, I mean, it won awards for cinematography, production design, writing, directing. I mean, that's not even counting like the the acting mm-hmm. and the the overall winning for best drama. So the, I feel like the production value of this is very high. And I think you'd agree. I mean, just, just watching it, I, I thought it was just done very beautifully. Just, just the way it looked was very neat. Yeah. The, the way they film it, I guess the, the scenery, um, just like everything really helps to, to like, tell the story and like put you there the story is pretty dark you know this town that they all live in i'm not even a hundred percent sure where they are in what was the former united states they refer to like the colonies which would be outside of where they are currently located so it sounds like there's a war going on, and, and I can read you what kind of a brief synopsis um, that I found on IMDb. So there's a – it's a religion-based government now that – or fundamentalist regime that is now uh, – has taken over most of the United States. The country is renamed. Uh, I don't know. I think I think it's renamed in the book, and we haven't – it hasn't been – wasn't mentioned in the first episode, but they've renamed the country. There are environmental disasters and a plummeting birth rate. There's some sort of, I guess, um, I don't know if you want to call it a plague or a sickness. It's again never really identified. And, well, it sounds and children like a, a lot of women just can't get pregnant, and yeah. some folks who do get pregnant lose their babies, even when they've they're almost like full, full term. term. But there's uh, there's a small percentage of women that are still fertile. And in an attempt to repopulate this world, 
the few remaining fertile women are forced into sexual servitude. And this is the story of one of the women. Her name is, uh, her given name as one of these handmaids is Offred. Her real name we've come to find at the end of the episode is June, but these the, the handmaids, the the women that are dressed in these uh, red robes with these white uh, hoods or bl- blinders, kind of like a bonnet almost. Yeah, like a very extreme bonnet. They they hold this position. They're the only ones. They're that can valued. Get, yeah, they 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 carry a value, and 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 we have really yet to see. How we got to this place, uh, you know, because we we do see flashbacks of June and her former life, and everything was the way it is now. I mean, just normal people right, had like cell phones, and restaurants, and Uber. Yeah, and 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 one thing that I wrote was that it, it seemed like things went things went badly in a hurry, quickly. Absolutely, I mean, things went downhill quick because you're going from smartphones and ubers and going out with your friends to a restaurant to within what um so one of the last flashbacks we see was her finding out that she was pregnant and we do know that she has a daughter because we see that in the very beginning of the episode that she's on the run to clarify well i know you said flashback but like as a person whose job it is basically to get pregnant just to clarify this was before she became a handmaid like before the whole before everything changed and she was with her husband but they weren't married yet so boyfriend and she found out she was pregnant right and so what would you say like her daughter might have been between six and eight i do think she even says the age at one point that her daughter is so would be about or is about to turn eight. Okay, so le- in less than ten years, we go from a society that we know of today, like our basically our society, to this this strict uh, religious, just scary, <laughs> frightening regime. Yeah. One of my biggest takeaways from this episode is just, like, holy shit. I, like, I am scared. You know, when when you make a TV show, you know, there's so much that comes before the show actually airs. You know, they, they write scripts. They do casting. There's just so much, and it takes a, quite a long time. I'm really curious... When did this project get start getting off the ground? And mm. the reason I'm curious is because life imitates art or art imitates life or whatever. And not to get too, like, political on you guys. But this is, like, so scary because it's so relevant to, to our, our world right mm-hmm. now. And did somebody say, whoa, we're living in, like, a really fucked up situation Hey, look, there was this book. Now's the time to turn this book into, mm-hmm. you know, a, a TV show. Or is it just a really weird coincidence that somebody was like, oh, hey, man, I just like came across this book. Let's adapt it for TV. We could do it on Hulu because they'll let us do like whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. Now, like Trump's president and we have like a really, really like messed up situation it's so it's so like reflective that like it it terrifies me there's so much positive so many positive things to say about this show because we could talk about you know we started to talk about like scenery a little bit like we could talk about the acting we could talk Mm -hmm. about so many elements and just the storyline is powerful and i would think that even if we weren't in dealing with the reality that we're dealing with, mm-hmm. but it just makes it so much more powerful that, that yeah, this it is really, the situation. It, it really hits home more now than ever. Right. So do we want to take a minute and just um, kind of <laughs> cry? Like, do we want to take <laughs> like several minutes? Well, yeah. Well, well let's back up and, and, 
let's do this. So I will say I really enjoyed this this episode. I thought for all the reasons you you just mentioned, I enjoyed the acting, the casting, and as as frightening as the story is, you know, comparing it to our the current state of our country. If you look at it from a dystopian future, it's you you could call this sort of a science like sort like science fiction. In a way, I mean, it, there's no flying cars and lasers, but but the elements and the and the ideas behind it, are, you know, are based in science fiction. So from from that perspective, I enjoy this because it's it's telling me the story of this alternate United States. Like there's a there's an Amazon original series called I think it's called the 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 man in the high tower and it posits a world where Germany won World War II hmm. something like that so that's what in an effort to not get too depressed over this <laughs> that that's how too I late. <laughs> that's how I I think about it is is it's an alternate universe it's an alternate United States in this you know, there's, yes, there's a lot of similarities, but I have to think about it in terms of science fiction. Otherwise, I would probably cry watching this because well, it's it because there with you know there I I could list a bunch of things I liked of this about this episode, and then I could easily list an equal number of the things that really disturbed me and freaked me out yes, <laughs> about this episode. We, we we could be here all night, honestly. But I'm so glad that you said what you just said about the, the, the science fiction elements, because I'm grasping onto that from this point forward as a way to help me. I'm going to go mm. with Cope, because <laughs> as... We sat here watching this episode, and I was, like, on the freaking edge of my seat because just everything, just everything, you guys, just, like, everything. And there was a part of me that just, like, was – it hurt. Like, my heart hurt. And, like, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's all, revolting, of these, some, all of some these – some scenes. Yeah, like, certain pieces or, or different scenes of the, you know – it's a nightmare. That it just <laughs> it's a nightmare world. Made me so sad and like scared and I didn't necessarily think science fiction. I thought realistic fiction. This is real. This is real. Oh, you know, I had to like talk myself down like it, it's not real, Jen. It's mm -hmm. not real yet, but this shit could happen. <laughs> so I had to like keep like reining myself in like, oh man, this is great. Oh my God. How about that? Okay. Okay, Jen, get it together. You know, every couple minutes, but I I'm going to, I'm going to run with what you just said. Science fiction. Yeah. Science fiction. I mean, think about it this way, you know, in the, in the, in the 1950s, we thought by now we were going to have flying cars and jetpacks. So yeah. you, you got to temper your your expectations of what could happen. Yes, it, it, there are certain things that would be a very strong possibility, but you would hope <laughs> that some of this that this stuff would not come to pass. Well, and I think that that speaks to just everything about this show. When it when you get that emotionally invested and mm -hmm. feel and get that type of a response. Even though you know we we sit here and we watch our shows basically in science in silence, and then we don't really talk about them until we record. So if it's five minutes later, five hours later, whatever the case may be. So this we've gone twenty four hours, and I've spent these twenty four hours like internalizing all of this, like the world is falling apart because I haven't <laughs> talked to you, I haven't talked to anyone about you know having watched this show. But I mm -hmm. I truly think that that. Um, you know, speaks to what they have done right here because, you know, it could be a story, it could be a love story. It could be any kind of story, 
But the fact that they did what they did in the way that they did it, it it makes it that just that powerful. Like it really like struck a chord mm-hmm. with me. Yeah, it would be impossible to for anyone <clears throat> to watch this and just not see the certain parallels and and to our world now and to just not feel the things that you're talking about to not feel that that dread and that uncertainty and thinking oh boy I better I better get my passport and head to Canada right quick <laughs> but yeah. so well, well I was to say well let's let's move on to some positive stuff okay I'm going to start with the lead actress, Elizabeth Moss. I thought she was great. Now, the only thing up to now, I know she's she's been in a lot of stuff. The only thing that I really know her from is uh, she was uh, Peggy Olsen from Mad Men. She was... Right, which yeah. I didn't follow Mad Men, but now that you say that, I, I know and who she is, yeah. I, I mean, she was amazing in that show, and th- there were certain certain things that I noticed that they that she does really well that she did in Mad Men that she also does here is, you know, she's good at playing these characters that they're meek, but then they she also has a strong side. So in Mad Men, you know, she starts out as this lowly typist slash. Don Draper's secretary over the series. She works her way up to a copywriter and et cetera. And she, she, she grows and she finds her voice and she becomes more assertive, but she still has that, that meek side sometimes. And I always found it really entertaining in episodes of Mad Men when she would come out of her shell and find her voice and, say exactly what she should be saying similar to uh, sort of similar here you know she w- she was very uh you know the all the handmaids are very subservient they they really don't speak unless spoken to um they're you know they they're they really don't make eye contact with anybody that they're not supposed to um they they speak very little to anybody, but we get this internal narration from her or this internal monologue every so often where she sounds like one of us. She talks like it's still her, mm-hmm. even though she on the outside she is this timid, uh, subservient handmaid dressed in the, you know a very simple robe and bonnet and but in the, on the inside she's like you you know you little shit with the stick up your ass and she's you know she it, it's still her you know she's still s- saying the things that we hope she would think or things that we hope she would say but she's saying it internally well so. we learn you know they've they've rounded up all of these women who can get pregnant and they basically send them to handmaid school if you will and you learn real quick from the quote ants Mm -hmm. how to conduct yourself and you also learn real quick that if you don't conduct yourself correctly you will be punished in some of the most extreme measures yeah like like having your eye literally from your head like biblical shit so She's, you know, she's smart. She's keeping her shit together. She's doing what she needs to do to, to survive. survive. Right. And so I, I guess, you know, I almost want to say like upon graduation or whatever, but I don't, I can't even like put it that way. You get placed in a home mm-hmm. and it's, um, you know, all the aristocrat, well, aristocrat, aristocrat type they're, people or, or. They're they're either military or government leaders i think there was definitely yeah i wasn't just sure i wasn't sure if it was just money or what the deal was a lot of people were called commander or whatever definitely like military she's she's placed in the house of commander waterford who's played played by joseph fines who's uh ray fines brother 
and his wife, who's uh, Yvonne uh, Strahovski. And I know her from the series Chuck. She played, I forget the character's name now, but she was basically the the female spy in the show Chuck. She was like blonde and very, I mean, total polar opposite character of what you see here. And in The Handmaid's Tale, she's very, her hair is pulled back. She's very buttoned up, very proper, very uh, stern. And then in Chuck, she was like, Wild blonde hair, kung fu, shooting guns. I mean, boobs hang not hanging out, but I mean, she was she she played up her sexiness in that show. And this, it's the exact opposite. Well, I think that's that's also that that's, that's how of, a proper woman well, lives. That's that, and that's part of that's the society they live in too. Right. It's everything is going back to this fundamental, like this fundamentalist uh, school of thought. Everything is. Um, centered around religion. Mm-hmm. So, um, but she's, but uh, but she's. I guess she's also barren. She can't get pregnant. They have no children. So, Offred is placed in the um, in the Waterford house, and there are other uh, people there. There's, uh, I guess, I don't know what you, you would call her, like the head. They call them Marthas. Marthas, kind of like uh, sh- like the the head maid slash cook, and housekeeper, housekeeper, type. yeah. And then there's also a, a Commander Waterford has a, a driver who who is also I guess part of the this the whatever military or government because he's um, offered says something like. Like she, she runs into him. He's out in the in the driveway just doing some manual labor, like shoveling some gravel or something. But he's, she, she called him Commander Waterford's driver, and so and so does or he doesn't doesn't have a handmaid yet or there hasn't been. She made it sound like he might eventually get one or something. Maybe he, like as you rise through the ranks, maybe you you rate getting a handmaid. Or maybe you have to be married or something. Yeah. And which which it, we don't he could it, very well be for all we know, but yeah. he doesn't appear to be yeah, married. And, and in this society, who <laughs> I, I'm interested to see more of the show to see what society is like. Like, are there like we're introduced to the this uh, the the higher up, like the the high ranking official. But are there everyday people in this new world? I mean, we're 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 introduced to like we're we hear the colony mentioned a few times, and it sounds like it's an awful place. Well, I feel like there's you know the rich folks, the you know the the top, if you will, and their their servants. I guess, you know, the handmaids, the Marthas, drivers or whatever people you might have to help maintain your household. And then I guess other people who still kind of play a role in that, like these ants. You know, we we see where all the handmaids get together. We'll get into that maybe in a minute. Oh, but yeah. They have their, like some gatherings, if you will, that are still run by the ants, although it's not like handmaid school, as I called it before. Um but there's still um, the the ants who I guess sort of oversee things for the handmaids like as a group, mm-hmm. and then you hear about the colonies where you know there's mention made of like don't basically don't screw up or you'll be sent to the colonies right. where you'll have to like shovel toxic sludge yeah. or whatever and then your skin will literally peel off. So clearly that's where they send. Poor people, or people who they see no value in, or you know, maybe any. Well, what was what was interesting to me is so there's the the handmaids are permitted to leave the home with you know, with another handmaid. They they have to go in pairs, and they're permitted to go shopping, and and they go to it. It's a supermarket, but everything is just very. It's still like run by the state. There are armed 
soldiers everywhere. Everywhere. Even the even the supermarket looks like it's run by soldiers. Like there's no cashiers. Everyone uses vouchers mm -hmm. or tickets or something. Yeah. And like there's no. That's why I said there like there's no people, and there were no. If you notice, there were no vehicles. At least, you know, every place that the handmaids went, they walked. They didn't. They weren't driven or anything. Like everybody walked everywhere. Mm -hmm. So it just. But but there are vehicles because, uh, again, like we said, the commander has a driver, and he was out the one day. He was washing the car, and it's like this big black SUV or something. So there are still. It's not like this world where we have no technology or no no vehicles or anything. I mean, there are still certain modern amenities, but in a, in a larger in a larger way, I mean. The, They've 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 really gone backwards in in many ways, but there's still. That's all I could think about as we watch the show. Like you see elements of modern day, like SUVs, like automatic or semi-automatic weapons, mm -hmm. but then you see elements of the past. You know these horrific uniforms. Um, the you know like the the concept of like you you almost can't have your own life sure she's allowed to leave the home and things like mm -hmm. that but she has to have a handmade escort and even her escort friend whatever is um what's her name alexis bladel bladel who was who's rory rory gilmore <laughs> and so it's like she even proceeds with caution with this person who's kind of her pseudo friend because it's like you almost can't they, trust them. Right. And it's like just this idea of like you're not allowed to walk by yourself. It's almost – You're not allowed to read. Yeah, they're not allowed to read. Um, it's like they've we, – we took one step forward and 400 steps backwards. Right. And I, I, I think that – they don't trust each other because, well, again, they're not allowed to talk to each other or really get to know each other. You know, when they say when they talk to each other in the beginning, it's just these generic platitudes like, "Oh, we've we've been blessed with beautiful weather today," or um, "I I hear the war goes well in the southern colonies," or you know, just very you know like, "Oh, did you see the game last night?" You yeah. know, very very generic because I, I think. Again, they're not they're not really permitted to speak to each other, and if they did, if they did get to know each other, they might see that they have a lot in common. But but you don't know that the you know, if the other one like how how much they've taken to the training from the red they call it the red center. Mm -hmm. And if you think you're talking to someone who might be cool, but then it turns out like no, they've totally drank the Kool Aid, and they might turn you in. You know, they might. They right. might ship you off to the colonies, and we thought so. You know, when we saw in the Red Center, there was a flashback to when Offred was first taken there, and she was still in her civilian clothes, like she was literally just brought in off the road. There was another girl there who was also like just wearing jeans and a shirt or whatever, who was giving, you know, was like given lip, and what was her name uh, Janine? Janine. Yeah, I, call, I started calling her Crazy Janine because – so she was the one who was, was punished for back-talking the, like, the headmistress or the aunt. Janine has one eye now. Yeah, Janine – they took Janine's eye. Just one. And from that point forward, she – that basically broke her. And, right. And there is another scene where it's in the middle of the night and she's – Standing naked in their their barracks, like their sleep, like they share like a it's a shared sleeping quarters, and Offred's trying to get her to calm down, like you know, basically saying you know what's going to happen if you keep this up, and then we we come to find out later and flash forward to the present day, and it's Janine who is still 
she's crazy Janine. Like, she's crazy. <laughs> like, she's she's lost her shit. But she's kept it together long, like, enough to be, like, she's pregnant. We see her with child. Right. So she's making it work as a handmaid, but she's also, she lost her mind a little. And now she, like, she drank the Kool-Aid and she's all in. And then, ironically, the Offred's friend from from the real world or from before. Like from college. Yeah, from college, who was in the Red Center with her, was trying to get her, like, basically kind of her, I don't want to say mentor, but just saying, like, you got to keep your shit together and you'll survive this. She's the one that eventually, we don't see it, but we hear that she tried to make a break for it and they killed her. So she was the one, Moira, her name was Moira. Yeah. Moira ultimately was the one that couldn't hack it. And crazy Janine was the one that did. She's the one that lasted. And and you thought, you know, like. I well, w- she's, <laughs> she lasted because she's broken. Right. Moira probably wasn't broken. She probably just but said, she I'm going to get the hell out of here. Right. But she, like, you know, but you she know, knew. a different issue. Like that's yeah. still an issue, but. Yeah, it's like, and you said, like, drink the Kool-Aid, and that's all I just kept thinking. It's like, you know, it's drink the Kool-Aid. It's, it's. Mm-hmm. And there was a huge drink the Kool-Aid moment at, at that scene in, in the park or wherever it was when they surrounded that guy. Oh, my God. This was one of the most fucked up <laughs> scenes in television I've ever, like, seen in my life. Any. So, okay, I I think before we even talk about this, I got to back up a step here. And I get what it is. I get the premise of the show. I get, it's like, it is like slavery. So I think about slavery as we learned about it, you know, in school and Mm -hmm. things like that. And you always, slaves kept the home, did cooking, they worked in fields, et cetera, et cetera. And we know that masters did what they wanted, like, with their slaves. And one would call that rape. However, it was that was your property, and you could do whatever you wanted with your property. So in this show, they never use the word slave. It's almost like an honor to be chosen. That's that's how what they tell you when mm-hmm. they're trying to get you to drink the Kool Aid because God has blessed you with being able to, to have children, out, right. and isn't that so great that you can then have a baby with some man that you don't even know or care about, and then give it away to his wife to raise? Isn't that cool? So, anyways, as far as I can see, this is rape because. They're slaves, and just because you're not fighting doesn't mean that it's not rape. So they come to the congregation of handmaids, handmaids meeting, you know, loyal mm-hmm. order of handmaids. And the, aunts, the aunt gets up and presents this person who is a rapist, and to make matters worse, he raped a handmaid, and to make matters worse, the handmaid was pregnant, and to make matters worse... That handmaid lost her baby, which means some Richie lost his baby. Mm -hmm. So basically, hey, handmaids, what do you think we ought to do? Tell you what, I'm going to put this guy here in the center. Y'all form a circle. You do what you need to do. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. They beat the shit. Like, they literally beat him until he died. They kicked the hell out of him. And he died. So... Yeah, you know, a part of me was just like, they have so much pent-up anger. They're being raped. They're forced to live in a household, to be somebody's slave. I would probably kick the living shit out of something, too. However, this dude, he's he's no better or worse than all the other dudes. Mm -hmm. He's just not an important person. He's not a commander in the military. So it's wrong for him to rape a woman, but it's cool if these guys over here who are rich do it. I have so much anger about this show. Well, <laughs> and it's not about the show so much as the idea that scares the hell out of me. Well, and and I wrote there was a certain there was a certain grim irony that these handmaids, these women 
being allowed to to tear apart this rapist only because the patriarchy allowed them to do so. Like they're given the power to do this, but but they don't have power. So they but they were given the power to do to to beat up this rapist. You know what I mean? Like right, and only the, because, the, because there's no handmade. justice system. Right, we don't even know. They could have made it up. They could have made up the story right. that a we handmaid don't, we got don't see, raped. Yeah, I mean, and I also thought maybe I wonder if they do this periodically to allow them to uh, unleash their, like you said, their pent up frustration yeah. and anger because because Offred is the first one. She's in the there. first. Yeah, she's the first one in there to draw blood. Literally kicking this man, and I was like, "Girl, you are I better mean, than that." You could but see, at the same time, I was like, "Nope." No, because if I was you, I mean, I'd be kicking the shit out of I somebody think too. At that point, it did not matter if he was innocent or guilty. No, it was a punching bag. Yeah, he was a he was a living, breathing punching bag, and that's all that and, matters. And just like, and then there's crazy Janine. You know, do behind with them him dancing. what you will. What do you think they're gonna do? Oh, and did we mention there wasn't just like ten handmaids? There was like a hundred handmaids. Yeah. There was a, yeah. I mean, there were some of those girls didn't even get a kick or a punch in because they were in the back, you know, like maybe like, next time, girls. And yeah, crazy Janine, she was, she's pregnant, so she she's just get, off giggling. She was dancing. Oh my God. She was crazy. Crazy Janine. Yeah. Yep. Oh my God. Um, that scene, that was really something to take in. Yeah, but, that was pretty messed up. And I, I did not expect. Offered to be first in. I thought she would kind of like hang back and because she's the one that that we, you know, especially when we see her um, in the red center. And there's a few times throughout where she she tries to maintain a little bit of who she was even during being handmade when like when she first meets the commander and. It's almost like a formality. He just kind of has to come in and say hi to her and, you know, just welcomes her and says, it's a pleasure to meet you. And he's walking out and she goes, you too. Like. Like, like you would say just in a right. normal social but, setting. But you but you could tell by the reactions of everyone else in that room, she was not supposed to. But they kind of let it slide. Yeah. And then she kind of, the one time where she kind of made a. uh it's almost like an inside joke between her and the driver about tuna. Mm-hmm. And again, it was like it, it was so dry because she's still delivering these lines in this very subservient, um, timid, uh, demure tone or voice that it's like you don't really get. You know, I mean, we get it because we're the viewer, but. You know, so she there's there's still a part of her that it, like she's trying to retain who she was, and being a handmaid is just like a guy's, you know, it's just. But um, and then and I think that becomes stronger at the end when she when we find out her name when she when she says my daughter's name is Hannah, my husband's name was Luke, and my name is June, and that's where the episode ends. So it's like she's. She hasn't given up. She's still trying to be the person that she was. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and oh, that's the other thing. I don't know if we even mentioned that. Like so at the beginning, they they take they take her daughter away from her, and uh, so she has a daughter out there somewhere. Who knows? And that's why she's what happened to her. Like, gonna do everything she can to survive. She says, right. "Like I'm surviving for my daughter." Yeah, and we're. 99% sure that her husband is dead because we heard the gunfire. Right. So. Um, and I was also surprised at the end when we got a little bit of real talk between Offred and um, Offglen, who was uh, uh, Rory Gilmore, uh, Alexis Bladel. Yeah. So they, they actually share some 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 real time, some real moments, some real conversation they talk about ice cream and sex and which was kind of like a, a relief to know that she wasn't Offlin wasn't just some mindless stick up the butt, you know, I'm still way more guarded about this chick than you are though. Well, because... no, well, I'm not going to say I, 
I didn't have my doubts like, oh, don't trust her this quickly. Like, don't say too much stuff because she could easily. Well, and that was one of the scenes like that I thought about um, later. And I was like, my God, like the opportunity that they have here for writing the storyline. Like you see potential for friendships. You see potential for betrayals. You see the mm -hmm. potential for uprising. You just like so much. And it was cool to see them get friendly. But then instantly it was like. Like, I tightened up, like, mm -mm, don't tell her too much, you know, and because because the off Glen was was saying there's, you know, got to be careful. And then when they said goodbye, she said, there's an eye in your house, which was what they refer to. Like they were looking at the what used to be the ice cream store. They said, "Oh, there's an eye. We got to go because mm -hmm. it was like too much lollygagging Too like, yeah, there I guess there was like they were up to like conversing and you're not supposed to so they you know they hoofed it out of there they say goodbye and she's like careful there's an eye in your house and i'm like girl how do we know that you're not an eye you're trying to gather information yeah you know so we yeah so we're we're supposed to understand that an, what they refer to as an eye is some is a a person or who's like uh, i guess um secret kind of like maybe like spy. secret police or something yeah. like that someone yeah um so it could be, you know, there are a, a handful of characters in in the house that she's staying. It could be any one of those, or like, you know, off um, Offland could be a could be an eye, or she could be exactly who Offred thinks she is, and just a uh, you know a stick up the butt, prissy little shit. Yeah. So there's another scene that I thought was just so powerful and painful and it's when they see the bodies hanging mm. and it it's just like another one of those scenes like we're just walking home from the market with our stupid oranges and whatever and everything's cool and there's just like three people like lynched like bags over their heads dead and hanging there just so frightening the religious aspect of the government, how much I just value the idea of the separation of church and state, which does not exist in this story. The people that are hanging there are a Catholic priest, so I guess he represents a religion that is not tolerated, a gay person who represents a lifestyle that is not tolerated, mm -hmm. and a doctor, which... Well, I think it was specifically, I think it was a doctor that performed abortions because each bag that they had on their head had a symbol on it. And the one on the doctor's head had, um, it looked like a, a, baby, a baby in the womb. Yeah. But it really spoke to me about how, like, their, how they don't, like, don't accept science. You know, how did we get to a world where nobody wants to live in the colonies and shovel toxic crap? And it just made me think about just everything, like climate change is real. Things really happen. You can't blow off scientists. And it goes against the fact, understand that they're religious-based government. But, like, you don't have to rape people to have babies. We have the science for that. But we don't care about science in this world, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's just, like, so frightening, that whole idea I said before. It's like we took one step forward and 400 steps back. <laughs> this show, I feel like I could probably still talk another two hours on <laughs> this one episode. There's just so much. But I get it. Like, I get why this show has won mm -hmm. ridiculous numbers it's of awards. It's powerful. In every capacity. Like, every, you know, drama, acting like every every capacity you could win an award it sounds like they've done it mhm mm do you think if presented the opportunity would you read this book i'm a little bit like fascinated like yeah like i might just read this book like i said in the beginning i didn't even know it existed i didn't even know that this was a story that was based on on a book but i've read other books that I enjoyed that were dystopian societies and things like that. And my 
you know, I'm so interested in what I saw in one episode of the show that nine times out of ten, the book's always better than the movie or the show. So there's a piece of me that says, yes, go back mm -hmm. and and read that book. So, yeah, probably. And, you know, I had kind of like an internal struggle as we proceeded through the show. You know, we as we always do towards the end of our discussion, we talk about, you know, would we continue watching the show? Mm -hmm. And there were moments in the show that I was like, oh, my God, I, I have to keep watching this. And then there were other moments that I was like, this is so awful. I can't. And then there were other moments that I was just like, how could I not? It's so relevant. Mm -hmm. And then I can't because it's too relevant. Like I, I went all over the place and I actually, I think I'm glad that we went 24 hours between watching mm -hmm. and recording because we don't always do that, and I think it's fine. But I was able to put some thought into this episode at various times throughout the day. And, you know, I, I, I hope I'm not getting ahead of, my, of, of our, you know, of the, the episode here. But, mm -mm. like, I, I did finally kind of conclude with myself somehow find found like this piece or whatever like you can do it Jen <laughs> it's hard for me to watch things where that are this awful where people like are oppressed and, and like like that conception scene oh my god how did we not even talk I don't about know that? I, I just I looked at my notes and there was the actual scene where where offered was with the commander and the commander's wife. Listen, they first off, we got to back up one smidge here. They're out shopping or whatever the hell they're doing, and she's like, you know, I got to get home for the ceremony. They call this a ceremony. So she kneels, the driver and the head Martha stand behind her. Everybody knows. Everybody knows the commander's banging you tonight. The whole mm. freaking house knows. Okay, weird. The wife is there, and the wife kind of like the wife views her as the person who's going to give me a baby. But other than that, she like freaking hates her. Don't get any ideas. He's my husband. Literally said I that. Think, well, I think she's got a lot of hate in general. I mean, yes, a lot of it is directed towards the handmaid, but it, she just. I wrote that she seems just as much a prisoner as the handmaid does. Yeah. I mean, she's she's clearly not happy with this situation. No matter – it could be like 50 different handmaids. She's not going to be right, happy right. with this situation. So they prepare to bang it out, and you see the handmaid. You see the commander, and you're like, all right, this is happening – Nobody looks like they're having a good time whatsoever. Camera rolls to... Now, who's this? The wife. Oh, my God. So the wife just has to, like, sit there while the handmaid kind of lays back on her. And the wife gets to watch her husband bang this other chick. Yeah, and it, 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 it's completely... Like, so the, the, the commander is completely dressed, uh, standing on the edge of the bed. Offred is... Laying on the bed. Just skirt flipped up. Yeah. You know. Like, everyone is still clothed. It's it's not sexual in any way, shape, or form. Um, he's, yeah, he's penetrating her. And basically, her, Offred's head is kind of in the lap of the wife, who is holding her, like, Squeezing holding. Squeezing the kind of, hell like out like holding of her, her, like, wrist or arm. Yeah, like, holding her down, basically. Not that Offred's going to struggle or fight. I mean, it's it seems more just, like, ceremony that she, that the wife is involved somehow. I mean, clearly the, the handmaid's not going to do anything, but maybe maybe that's just what the wife is expected to, to do as part of the ceremony. I don't right. know. To be part of this messed up thing 
and the commander finishes, and he just kind of zips up, and he's like, later. And, like, he leaves. <laughs> the the wife just sits up in bed and, like, grabs a smoke. And then Offred is just lying there like, what the fuck do I do now? It's, it's, I mean, talk about, like, crazy awkward. The And the, the wife is finally, like, to get out. And <laughs> she... Yeah, it just... It was... Yeah. Every, like, ten minutes or so, I there was definitely a thought of, like, it can't get any more messed up than the thing I just saw. Right. But then it did get more messed up. I really just struggled with continuing, but then came to the decision that I did want to continue because... The story is just too good. And the potential for what they can do here. I mean, I could see Offlin being a friend. I can see Offlin being an enemy. I can see at some point in time that Offred and the wife like get start getting along better. Maybe they have a mutual hatred of the situation. There's just so many directions they could go in and then not to mention there's that driver nick little is there some chemistry there Mm -hmm. i mean certainly she's not allowed to have a relationship with anyone yeah there's definitely there's potential i mean even the martha i feel like the martha didn't really like her that much but i don't think the martha would like anybody but maybe there's something there to explore too there's even a level of competition between the Martha and the handmaid mm-hmm. at the grocery store. Get some oranges. I don't have a credit or a voucher for an orange. Who cares? Tell them that your commander, what's his face, is handmaid. They'll give you anything. Yeah, like they made it seem like and, he's high up. Yeah, so they, she gets oranges without, quote, paying for them. And then some one of them says, make sure that your mistress or your master or whichever one, make sure they know that it wasn't your Martha that got the oranges, you got the oranges, and then the Martha ends up taking credit for the oranges anyways. So, you know, and I, I think in this messed up world, it's the little things like who thought of oranges, you know, that mm-hmm. that sometimes matter. But she didn't speak up for herself. She didn't say, oh, that was my idea because well, she would have been out of line. But, like, there's this level of competition between these two Right. household servants and there's a whole i mean just what they could write for those two you know mm-hmm. yeah there's a lot this one this was a tough one to talk about and it was, it was a tough one to watch and a tough one to talk about but at the end of the day i'm glad i watched it and i'm i i think i knew from as soon as it was o- as soon as it was over that this would be one I would be interested in continuing because I, I, like you, I saw immediately like, okay, so now I understand why this is getting such high praise or winning awards. And it's just good television. And I think a lot of that, I mean, there's a lot of praise to go around, but I think Elizabeth Moss carries so much of this show and just her, her expressions, I mean, just her acting in what she can do without without talking, without dialogue. I mean, she you know she's got a lot of expression in her face and in her eyes, and yeah. she was you know she was like that in Mad Men. But I feel like in this show the this show has raised the stakes <laughs> dramatically. I, I think, and not only for her like for the character she's playing, but for her abilities as an actress to take on this kind of role. Again, in this day and age, I mean, this just speaks volumes across the board for this entire, for this, for this series. Another thing that kind of makes it easy to want to watch it is it, it's only 10 episodes. Well, so, there's a se- second season. Second season starts in April. This would be something that, you know, you could, you could um, watch over, you know, not a very long period of time and then be ready in a couple months for season two. Yeah. Yeah, I was just looking in my notes um, because I this whole 
conversation. I haven't looked at my notes once. <laughs> um, and I wrote, it's like a fucked up cult. It just, just the, yeah. There's just so much that's like compelling. And you, you hear these stories like in the news, like remember like Waco all those mm-hmm. years ago and they're the mother and father who had the like dozen children and kept them all locked up and and it's like just like that roadkill thing you know you don't need to look mm-hmm. you probably shouldn't look but you look mm-hmm. and it's fascinating in a way like it's it's fascinating but i i think for me personally another reason that i feel very compelled to watch like and i already kind of touched on it but it's like a reminder to not become complacent yeah like i personally am not okay with a lot of things that are happening in our world right now and sometimes you have to give your mind a break because it's a lot you know you still can't stop like fighting the fight you know there's so much like you you know just like reminiscent of of nazi germany you know things like that that you know have we not learned a lesson from from our past, you know? And things that are that are in the news as we speak, um, like sexual assault. Like there was a whole thing in here about how basically girls are taught that sexual assault is their fault. Mm-hmm. And how just how awful is that? Just so awful. But all we see in the news anymore are all these allegations of sexual assault and a lot of people have admitted wrongdoing and and you know then you kind of think well what's to stop people from just like making things up and there's always that Mm -hmm. you know well if you didn't dress like a skank and like there's this whole religious aspect of you know maybe that's why every inch of skin is covered because god forbid I could see your second knuckle. Well, you had it coming. You were asking for it, you know? Right. But it just, there's just, I see so much connection to the past and the present. I think to myself, this is like a reminder of what could happen. Like, don't let this happen. Anyways, <laughs> if that's just me. That's just me on my little pedestal for a minute there. Like, no, that's fine. I mean, one this was... reason I'm watching this is is a reminder to myself. Yeah, no, that's a that's a good reason to watch. I mean, there's there's a lot of reasons to watch this show, and that certainly is valid as the next reason. Yeah, I I would agree with that. I would agree with a lot of reasons. There's you know there's there are a lot of reasons why I would want to keep watching this show. So it sounds like it's something we're going to keep watching. <laughs> <laughs> so we're up to fit this into yeah. our, our busy schedule. Yeah, which, uh, like I said, shouldn't be. You know, it's it's ten episodes. It's not unreasonable. Right. Yeah, I, I think this is one that if 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 you've not watched it yet, definitely check it out. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's worth it. It's it's t- it's a tough watch. Again, because of of the parallels. Between our, you know, the the current state of the world and our our country specifically, and the state of things in this in this show, but it's worth the watch. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was a lot. That I we, am spent. We unpacked a lot, and <laughs> yeah, I don't. I've got nothing left in me, uh, other than to just tell you that this episode and other episodes can be found many places. Our website is pilotseasontv.blogspot.com. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can just search for at Pilot Season TV. We're on iTunes and Google Play. And you can email us at pilotseasonpodcast at gmail.com. If you have any questions or comments or suggestions for future episodes uh pilots that we might not have thought of or things you want to suggest you can contact us on any one of those platforms email us uh comment on our social media you can also leave us an itunes review 
those are awesome because that helps us know what we're doing right or what we can improve as a podcast and also helps other podcast listeners find our show, which, you know, helps grow our audience and, and helps spread the word of pilot season, which would be cool. So that's, I think that's it for this episode. Yep. Okay. So next week's pick will be mine. I have not made my pick yet, but I can guarantee that it will be something lighthearted. Okay, good. <laughs> because I don't think I've got another another one of these in me, another drama in me for a while. Yeah. So this has been episode 23 of the Pilot Season Podcast. I'm Dan. And I'm Jen. And we'll see you next time. See ya.